0: Yo, what is up guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Game's premiere podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my good, good friend, Mr. J.W. Krewal. J.W., how's it going today?
1: Hey, Riley, pretty well. How are you?
0: I'm doing great, man. Uh, It's been a lovely week the last week for me, taking a little jaunt away from the standard standard weeks that I have, you know, to spend some time in Akron with Andrew and Natalie prior to the wedding was awesome. Uh, Obviously, the wedding itself was a ton of fun. You were there. (laughs) I (laughs) do remember remember it vividly. Yeah. So, so great stuff. So I'm doing great. How are you
1: doing? Yeah, I gotta say, it was a fun weekend, man. It was. was Just, uh, just a good time. Probably, you know, I've been to like maybe 10 weddings or so now, and this was definitely in the top 10. So... really nice time with friends and enjoying the gift of marriage and then also just partying
0: yeah for sure i mean those are two things i, I both really enjoy you know yeah definitely man that
1: that lemonade drink am i right
0: yeah the lemonade went crazy for sure
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> that stuff was insane
1: it wasn't saying and the thing is it was just like a it was just a a mix like it was a pre-made like lemonade or whatever but (laughs) something about it man just hit
0: it did it did hit (laughs) i miss it every day (laughs) so good yeah ton of fun it was great seeing everybody um old friends and new it was beautiful wonderful experience all around
1: and thankfully neither of us got COVID.
0: yes thankfully i tested as soon as i got back and i actually Started to get paranoid because Aaron Palmer had tweeted that that she'd gotten COVID, so I'm like, all right, well, I gotta know. <laughs> so I test- well,
1: she didn't. She technically didn't get COVID. She, te- like- she said
0: the get tested if you interacted with her because she might have it.
1: Yeah. Well, she she tested negative as well, also multiple times, but just like feeling sick. But anyway, I digress. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. The- well,
0: I got paranoid though because as soon as I even get the plant in my brain that I might have it, it worries me. So well, see, you negative.
1: gotta, you gotta trust your brain to tell your body that you're not sick and that well it's almost
0: like sick. it's like when you see lice in a tv show for me mm. you know you ever watch the arthur episode where he gets lice and just like you feel like you have lice the next day okay that's how i that's how i get you know
1: okay i didn't really watch much arthur as a kid
0: well surely you've watched some tv I feel like lice is a bigger deal when we were kid. <laughs> I don't think people. Care yeah. About.
1: Oh, for sure. Well, I don't know. Do they still check kids for lice now in in schools? <laughs> I don't know.
0: Maybe it's just a kids thing in general. And since we've grown up, we don't think about it as much anymore. But you know, TV shows, you know, the cartoons and the the live action sitcoms, they'd all have like lice episodes. You know.
1: Yeah, I guess you're right. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I don't know if that's still the trend. Like, do the Octonauts <laughs> have lice episodes? I don't know.
0: I don't even know what that is. So. Does
1: does Bluey have a lice episode? I don't. You're know.
0: speaking Roger. So right Dads
1: now. can dads can attest. You can tweet at me and let me know.
0: <laughs> well, that all said, wedding was sort of fun. Jimmy and I had some great fun together, but the grind has started for the Pokemon World Championship in just a few weeks now. Just about a month away from the tournament itself, and it's an exciting time you know we we're really rocking with the format now that we are we're going to have for worlds there's no set coming out shortly before worlds like there have been for the previous couple of years so we got it pokemon go plus the astral radian set is the cutoff and we've just been in the grinder jw what are some of the things that we've been trying on our way to the world championship
1: well we've been trying a number of different things and i think we're at this point, I would say, honestly, that we're being a little bit too tame with it. But we've been trying a lot of Arceus variants and obviously Palkia trying to come up with just the best list for that. So those are kind of the things that we've been honing in on. And I, I know I need to do a better job of just trying to do something a little bit more out of the box, trying to think a little bit broader, um, trying to think about where the metagame could end up. Uh, Because even if you do make it out of that first day, you'll have the opportunity to change your deck for the next day. So, even if we decide to go with something maybe a little bit more safe for day one, maybe there's the opportunity to switch it up for day two, and uh, you know, based on what we might see there. So, I think this week I really want to focus on doing things that, um, you know, are not certainly not Palkia. Like, I feel like that deck, I kind of know where I want to go with it, I know the list that I would play for the most part, given, you know, two or three cards. I want to try some weird things, some interesting things.
0: Yeah. I I feel similarly. We've, you know, we tested the big dogs really against each other. Seems very back and forth, so to speak, between them. Um, I do think Palkia, you know, of course has to be on the table playing as kind of like the villain, so to speak, you Mm -hmm. know, can your, can all the ideas overcome the Arceus Palkia litmus test, so to speak. Um, but I don't think we need to ram them at each other, <laughs> so it. to speak. What, what <laughs> do you mean?
1: Oh, you said you said so to speak three times.
0: <laughs> uh oh, uh oh, repeat the <laughs> word. We'll away. edit. We'll edit it. In yeah, post. let's let's get that in post for sure. <laughs> you no, know, but the you know you do have that Arceus and Palkia litmus test to overcome. Can your deck hang with both Arceus and Palkia? If yes worth considering if no probably need to go down a different path at least in my opinion
1: yeah absolutely it's a very simple like decision tree (laughs) where yeah Arceus and Palkia occupy you know one door and behind door number one Arceus and Palkia and if you can get past them then I mean you're you're you have something on your hands there and then obviously if they do not then you are not looking. Um, I, I would not recommend that you take that archetype if it does not beat those two. Absolutely. Or at least go 50-50. Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. You need to be. You need to hang with them, right? You need to yep. be in that that running with those decks. So let's talk about some of the the decks that we have played so far, how they look versus each other, and you know maybe some of the initial ideas that we have for the next things that we want to try out then after the ad read we'll talk more in depth specifically about arceus and talion you know what our thoughts are on the deck why might you bring it why might you not etc cetera, etc cetera. that all said we've GW said we've been pretty vanilla so far and that's certainly the case where we actually been testing the adp decks <laughs> if you think yeah. about it we've been testing arceus talion calcia and dialga um dialga the least of the three but still in there um
1: I would love to bring, on the topic of Dialga, I would love to bring a, a Solitaire deck, yeah. if possible, because then you don't really care about what your opponent <laughs> is playing, and you can just do your own thing. And one of the... That was certainly a strategy for us in 2018, with the Rayquaza deck. And just kind of, you do your own thing, but you do it you know faster, harder, stronger, earlier than other decks, and you can really capitalize. So... You know, my heart is like, oh, I would love for Dialga to be good. Please, please, Dialga be good so that I don't have to like think too hard about certain matchups or uh, I can really focus in on my play for the tournament. Early results for the Dialga deck haven't been stellar. <laughs> I don't think it's necessarily off the table, but it doesn't feel like, you know, if I was going to Worlds Tomorrow, that it would be a deck I'd choose. I I would echo
0: that. You know, our initial games of Dialga were into Arceus and Talion, right? And it felt like it wasn't reliably getting the energies onto the board in the way it needed to, to like, execute the game plan fully. It was, I, as the person who was playing the Dialga in, in several of the games, it was pretty frustrating, honestly, to play because you felt like you had so little agency over what was going on. Mm-hmm. And, like, the combo just was not coming together ever. It, I mm-hmm. don't know. The Dalga deck, when it pops, is completely insane. And it's something that I want to see work. Because I think there's a lot of potential there. Uh, and certainly, you know, like, amongst solitaire decks, there's a, you know, kind of consistent end game for your Dalga deck. Like, you know exactly what you're trying to do over the course of that game. And mm-hmm. how it's going to be routed. But something's just not hitting right for me and maybe it's just the way we're building the deck Uh, maybe it's some secret piece that needs to be a part of it that just we haven't thought of yet but i don't feel like it's all the way there at this time
1: yeah i'm with you
0: it's so which sucks because you know you played against the arceus italian you you should feel like it's one of the more favored matchups i think because you have the potential to one shot multiple arceus in succession and it actually is a challenge for them to one-shot you in return but results have not really done that
1: yeah right it's just been kind of you know as as with these solitaire decks if you put a piece in the wrong order that can be really really um a struggle to overcome if you know you're getting your metal saucers without energy in the discard pile or uh, you know you can't get your second dialga down and they're able to gust up and put some damage on the first one i mean it just um can get really tough there
0: it's also felt unfortunate that, you know, cross switchers have been the go to for Palkias now because you can no longer do or at least not as reliably, can you do tricky fun stuff like hide behind a Diancy for a turn. Because Dancy does not protect against the cross switchers.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean that's certainly something where it's like that deck felt probably incredible on that first week <laughs> of the format. And then now as like you said, the cross switchers have become standardized. In Palkia, it just doesn't quite work out the same. You're kind of relying more on Mew, but then that also opens you up to just getting boss, uh, bossed up. So it's pretty tough out there for, for that style deck.
0: I agree. So then the other two big decks that we've been throwing at each other have been Palkia and Arceus and Teleon. We said it was looking kind of back and forth. How do those decks perform in practice against each other?
1: The slight edge from our testing went to the Palkia deck, but overall, like you said, it was very close. What we've been trying to do with the Palkia deck is play it for a very hyper aggressive turn one, and then just kind of figure it out from there. And I've almost taken that a step farther in my Palkia list. Like I'm not playing really, uh, that I I can remember off the top of my head, I'm not playing any recovery cards. So I've even cut things like Palpad. I've cut the Ordinary Rod. Not that many people were playing that in Palkia to begin with, but just going to show that we had that in the list in Milwaukee and NAIC. I've cut that from the list because I'm trying to, again, hyper-focus on that turn one, and then just let Palkia do its thing where it's gonna do more damage, more reliably than you for less effort. And just as long as I can get a couple of Pokemon down on the first turn, maybe get some energy in the discard pile, I'm going to be all set up. So even considering going up to a fourth capacious bucket, right? To just get the energy more flowing uh, through the deck. And so there are just a lot of these considerations where I'm kind of forgetting or not considering the late game aside from maybe a Marnie, Roxanne and a path and just tailor making the deck for the turn ones on the other side of the coin with the Intellion deck. That is pretty standardized. I mean, I like where that's at in terms of there's not really going to be much reinvention of the wheel other than potentially adding in the Charizard, which I think make a lot of sense. Um, I played a tournament with the Arceus Charizard, and I know you might be rolling your eyes, Riley, but (laughs) I thought it was a good showcase of, you know, certainly the people in the tournament for the most part, I think, care more than the people that I find on the ladder. So while the decks weren't, um you know, spot on in terms of, uh, of of the, you know, the list like that I would have suggested for the event um, from from other players. They certainly, um, you know, were players that were invested in trying to win. So played a Palkia there, ended up winning that, played a mirror there, won that game. Um, yeah, played an, played an Arceus Pikachu, was able to win that. And I felt like, with the Arceus Inteleon Charizard deck that it was very strong, but I always felt on the edge of my seat towards the end of the game where it was (laughs) like, okay, I have this huge hand and I know I can pull off this great combo, but if they're able to disrupt my hand or if they're able to take a knockout or, you know, whatever it is, just these, these few different things where it's like I could never quite be sure or I had, you know, two energy on a benched, Arceus and so like okay they're gonna take a knockout here on the active and if I can't get an energy then I won't have an attack for the next turn you know it's just all these little things where I was able to pull it out at the end of the day but I always felt like I was struggling to get there there was like a lot of um a lot of grind I never felt in control from turn one to the end of the game
0: and I think that it's a very Inteleon deck story though. Like very Well, but
1: I I will say I've I have felt like that a lot more frequently at the Palkia deck, right? Because Palkia can just be the aggressor, go for those one shots, really kind of pick off targets on the bench a little easier, I feel, than the Arceus deck, because the Arceus deck can certainly um, you know, get an early boss, but it's harder for them to get the, you know, two twenty to knock out a V. Uh, right. So I just feel like the Palkia deck I've been in control more often, in more games. Like from the, from the gun.
0: Right. Yeah, and I think that that lines up well though, right? Because the Palkia deck, you're trying to be the aggressor, and the Arceus deck, you're trying to almost overwhelm. Yeah, you're overwhelm playing for more. Your right. Opponent. You're playing
1: for more of a mid mid late game strategy. So.
0: Right. So those InteliOn decks that are going for kind of a long long form game, you know, you start to peter out, so to speak. Yeah, disruption affects you more heavily because. You need more and more pieces in your hand over the course of the game to win. Yeah, I get it. I took, That lines up, in my opinion, with what you're describing.
1: Yeah. So we were playing back and forth the matchup, and um, it felt like the Palkia into Arceus matchup, just you got two V-Star decks, so whoever's going to swing first is more than likely going to come out ahead. Now, that's not necessarily true. Um, I felt like Palkia did have more... Um, More of that opportunity to come back if they gave up the first knockout, but that's kind of what we were seeing from that matchup is just playing it over and over again. You see these patterns where it's like, okay, well, uh, you went first, got the first attack, you took the first knockout, like you're 90% of the time going to win that game.
0: It felt like that, yeah. It seems like the only way that that wasn't the case, if there is, if there was some tricky shenanigans with disruption cards and radiant Greninja mm-hmm. was the only situations that we saw that broke out of that mold. Would you agree? Yeah, with that? absolutely.
1: I-, I would completely agree,
0: with the exception of like just random dead draw games, of course. Sure. <laughs> you know, random Marnie into death.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which, which still happens. So. Which still happens. Yeah, you know, that's in why 2022, always, you know, I think we should be over that by now.
0: I've always been a huge Marnie proponent. Like, mm-hmm. I want to play a deck that can Marnie my opponent until they eventually lose. Because <laughs> the second one might not hit, but I feel like the third one.
1: <laughs> yeah, if I can just make it to that third Marnie, oh baby.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, definitely a lot of back and forth, though, in that Arceus versus the Palkia you know, again, we've only tested really some vanilla stuff so far. So I'm curious, what is something that's at the top of your mind, JW, for what we should look at next?
1: Yeah, well, I think there's a lot of different ways to go with Arceus that we haven't explored, and we can talk a little bit more about that in the second half of the cast. But um, I've been thinking a lot about Beedrill as, you know, playing Arceus Beedrill as like, okay, if there's going to be a lot of... Arceus, which we project there to be because there's a lot of Arceus at NAIC and as the last major tournament before Worlds, it will probably have a pretty significant impact on the metagame. And so, you know, thinking a lot about Arceus bees, uh, I've been thinking about Dialga as we we brought up, but I've also been thinking about things like Malamar. (laughs) You know, a deck that can one-shot V stars as a one prizer uh, can maybe out trade with those Palkias with those Arceus decks and try to get ahead that way.
0: And do you think amongst one prize decks is Malmar the one that's the most appealing to you right now?
1: I would say so. I know we've said for a long time that Reggie was, but the Reggie deck just has um, it. It has some struggles. The more I play it, the more it just like has not been the deck that um i want it to be it's still in that like tier two range as is a deck like malamar but it doesn't feel like um you know when i play against it because i'm not really grinding it that much anymore but when i play against it i always find that there's just that one turn where they'll miss an attack like it's been pretty frequent anytime i played a reggie deck is like they'll miss an attack or they'll miss benching that sixth reggie and then Mm -hmm. if i'm playing something like palkia then i can just use Nechoing horn and like that just completely disrupts the strategy and so um I that's kind of what i've been seeing i think malamar has maybe a little higher i i think malamar has just a little higher ceiling because it can go for those one shots more reliably on just kind of general things i think reggie is maybe a little bit better into like a a specific metagame um, where you know what what you're getting yourself into, but I just feel like Malamar is, um, is one of those that I haven't explored as fully yet, but I yeah. know like has the possibility to go toe-to-toe with these V-Star decks and, and come out ahead.
0: Yeah, I mean, Malamar, it was the classic one-price deck, and it feels almost unfair to Malamar that it was so rapidly disappeared from the metagame as soon as Astral Radius came out. Mm-hmm. You know, only with the the true believer in Ross Cawthon did we continue to see Malama representation. And he did well. You know, he did great at NAIC, getting in that top 16. So why aren't people talking about it? I think that's a pretty logical thought process.
1: Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think a lot of people have just kind of, like, and that's what I'm worried about for Worlds. Like, I'm really worried that, and I, I want to try to, like, break out of this as much as we can in the next, you know, three and a half weeks, right? So it's like, But just like breaking out of um, just how can I think about these decks in a new way? How can I give credence, you know, to decks that just um, maybe haven't been thought about in a while? So Malamar is like a great example of that. Um, How can I just think about these decks for what they are and not necessarily for what they've done? And because, you know, certainly Malamar was off everyone's radar. No one really played it. Um, It did, you know, pretty well at NAIC, considering the representation. (laughs) And so, you know, why not? Why not the underdog or the undersquid?
0: The undersquid. So, you're so cool, man. Yeah, I think the the other thing that jumps out to me is something I want to try out is some kind of crazy, like, quad Pokemon type of deck where... You just have, just had the guys and that's it. You know, I, I think back to worlds 2018 when we played Gardevoir and that went very well for at least me. <laughs> um, yeah. so, you know, probably the obvious parallel there is Stonejourner, but Stonejourner makes me a little bit nervous. I haven't really played a ton of it, but something about it just doesn't hit the same way Gardevoir hit for me. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably because Gardevoir had that like instant win switch, I guess, against some decks. <laughs> sure. <laughs> with Absolutely. the with the charm, and Stone Turner doesn't feel like it has that in quite as overwhelming fashion. But stuff like that is something I want to try. Is more of a you know big guy that Arceus and just can't really deal with type of mm-hmm. deck.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of the struggle, right, with playing a counter deck for a world championship is because all these people are trying to also, um, you know, come up with unique strategies and different strategies. And so, and also people are kind of like in their own, you know, little think, you know, thought box or or echo chamber, right? Uh Where it's like, you know, uh, everyone in this part of the world plays X deck. So the, of course they're going to bring that deck. And like everyone in this part of the world plays this other style deck. And like, you know, and I think a parallel, like if I could just say it, you know, like um, in America, you know, we've seen all of the regionals in America <laughs> be won by Arceus decks, right? So it's like, okay, um, surely there's going to be some type of correlation, right? Where, you know, if we looked at all uh, decks of Americans, like there would probably be, you know, in my mind, and maybe this will be untrue, but just, you know, saying like, there will be a higher proportion of Arceus decks amongst Americans, you know, maybe there would be like, I don't know, higher proportions of weird stall decks amongst European, you know what I'm saying though, it's <laughs> like, that's true for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So it's just so hard. It's so hard to like think about this metagame for worlds because it can be really, really different, um, just depending on different regions. But uh, like you said, bringing it back—not you know, to go off on this tangent—but bringing it back, the, the going so hard against certain archetypes leaves you very vulnerable to these other matchups. So for instance, like Stone you're gonna you're gonna struggle with Dialga. You're gonna struggle with Mew. And if you don't expect to see those, then you're probably in the clear, right? If you're just getting the Arceus decks, uh, which have been dropping Dunsparce, so that, you know, has got to be uh, really good for you now at this point. Um, And then if you're seeing the Palkia decks, like, you're you're in the clear, man. Like, you're doing good. You're going to have a great performance. Um, You just don't want to see, you know, it's not very good into the field. And
0: uh, you bring up an interesting point, and... I think we should talk about it. The fact that Mew is rapidly disappearing from the conversation. Do you think Mew is actually a deck that people are not considering? Or has it just exited people's thought as Arceus and Falky have kind of taken over the metagame?
1: Well, it's kind of interesting because I don't think that Arceus decks are in any better position or necessarily worse position than they were <laughs> before Like to deal with Mew. I think... I think, actually, yeah, if I had to choose, like, they're not teching more for Mew. They're definitely teching less for Mew, which just is interesting, right? It's an interesting observation. Um, the Palkia decks, though, I think are where we kind of have seen Mew struggle with for the most part. Like, I would say that Palkia is a favorable matchup. Um, or Mew is a favorable matchup for Palkia. Right. It's a bad matchup for Mew. And so just the fact that Palkia is, like, the deck of this format Objectively like our best deck right now in this format just really punishes Mew filling their bench having these three prizers Um, It's it's really hard to deal with right and then having to try to go through Three V stars in a game as the Mew player is really difficult. So I think that's where Mew is really struggling in that, you know, it is probably fine against or it's no worse against the Arceus decks in the past than it is now. But you have just this this core um you know pillar of the metagame that is just really hard to get through, especially when you're gonna see so many of them in a tournament. You know, even if you're taking a 60-40 against a deck in a tournament, it's not the end of the world. You know, you can take that like take your take your losses as they come, but if you're gonna see six of that 60 <laughs> 40 then That's where you get into a lot of trouble, so I think that's what's Mew's issue right now is that you're just seeing too much Palki out there,
0: and, and that's fair. You know, Palki will be out there right now, Palki be hungry,
1: he do be hungry for sure.
0: <laughs> and I don't think Mew is super great into Arceus, even the straightforward versions either. You know, it feels like the Arceus opinion has shifted towards the straightforward Arceus Italian. and Talion, and I don't think that's a great matchup from you either to be honest yeah definitely hanging even
1: i think yeah well but it's interesting though right because the arceus and Teleons that um i've seen perform well like are not playing as much path as they have been in the past it's true which is where i would think you know you would gain a significant advantage over Mew. yeah i think you do run into that
0: same fundamental problem though if if you don't get the first ko on a v star it's really hard to get any KOs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Arceus tends to push that even further because it tends to play big charms.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, you, you know, you look at, um, yeah, a lot of these Arceus and Talion decks are teching a little less for Mew with, with things like Path of the Peak um, and a little more for just the general field with teching in Radiant Charizard and maybe Magnum Basin as their stadium. Um, so I think that does play into Mew's favor on the whole. Um, that's true. But, you know, again, that, that'll be something that, that we need to look into because what we haven't really given a lot of credence to is the straight Arceus and Talion. No frills, just cut and dry. <laughs> That's true. That
0: is absolutely true. I think the only other thing that I really want to try out at the top of my mind right now is some sort of stall deck. You've been talking about that with me as well. I've, I think my problem is just figuring out, you know, how do you make that archetype new and work because i think stall is the best when you at least partially reinvent the wheel for every tournament
1: yeah yeah it'll be you know it'll be something that we really need to theory on right because we have these pieces that are very strong we have the mill tank strong card if the deck that you're sitting across from is not prepared for it you have the mewtwo like insane card against any deck that can't one-shot it which is going to be Palkia and Arceus and then you have you know just your your crushing hammers right like your just disruption <laughs> cards that are just like yeah. it's just good like those are just always been good right it's always been or, or they've always had presence uh certainly in the last few years so there's a lot of pieces you know of course there's the Eldegoss loop that we keep bringing up but we're we haven't quite figured that out where you use the Eldegoss and the and the Cheryl and the uh, Corviknites. I really want that to be good, man.
0: Yeah, I think the Corviknight will honestly just be hurting the most by the addition of the Charizard more than anything.
1: Well, that and cross-switchers.
0: Yeah. And... The thing is, like, the Corviknight version of the loop isn't as vulnerable to cross-switchers because you can heal one Corviknight.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: mm-hmm. the... But the Charizard is really annoying.
1: <laughs> well, the Charizard, they would have to power up, right? Like, they'd have to get three yeah. turns of energy attachments. Yeah.
0: But, but you could theoretically still do that because you're not. Yeah, that's true. After your hammers are out. Yeah. What do you do? Then it's
1: fair. It's open season. It's bird hunting season.
0: <laughs> bird hunting season <laughs> for sure.
1: Bro, I'm on it.
0: So, yeah. I, I would love to find a stall type of archetype, though. And maybe it is still just run the Mewtwo back. Who knows? We
1: have yeah. Are you? Are I don't want to take this front segment on too long because we're going to be talking worlds from now until August. But are you worried about stall as an archetype? Like it's like, not a deck if, that if I really... you're not going to play, if you're not going to play it, like how how much are you worried about a mill tank, or how much are you worried about the Mewtwo deck just generally? Mill tanks.
0: I think it's always good just to have answers for mm-hmm. stall more generally not as worried about it I don't think Mm. Uh, and maybe I'm proven wrong but it seems like even in the online space that Mewtwo has kind of declined in popularity where it was very popular immediately after world or after NAIC you Mm. haven't seen that same energy and fervor behind the Mewtwo deck since then I I don't think a ton of people are going to be playing stall the number will be insignificant enough that you can justifiably not play around it very nice cool well let's let's go into card of the day then JW what do you got for us today
1: yeah absolutely so this was one of my first cards that I remember being really excited about so I had started collecting cards with legendary collection like around base set and I just got cards and then and then I just like threw them in a in a box and like I didn't really think too much about card itself and then i really started to get into like strategy right around the neo era like okay how do i play with these cards like um more art as well and i just there were a few cards that i really really loved and i would buy um i well i wouldn't buy it because i did not own anything i did not make a salary but i would (laughs) ask my parents to buy me cards and they were very gracious (laughs) <laughs> and they never went all out. You know, normally I'd, like, save up my birthday money and go out and buy stuff. But they'd give me a pack here or there. You know, they'd give me a, a, uh, a sure, deck out land. here or there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, really. And it wasn't, I knew not to ask too much. I knew not to, like, push my buttons on it. But, you know, hey, you know, payday rolls around. Like, sure, we'll get JW another, another set of Pokemon cards. We're already at the target, so we'll go drop another you know item in the basket but one of the one of the um decks that i remember getting was this neo deck that had you know because they all all the theme decks feature a pokemon so i remember this top being so cool i just loved it so much <laughs> i was like oh man i'm gonna make so many decks around it, it does so much damage It's very very cool card i liked top in the games because top, it, was,
0: cool.
1: it was kind of elusive in the games. Like, I, I don't think I ever had a Hitmontop, so I was like, oh, man, wow, I can have a Hitmontop in my collection of cards that I could never <laughs> get in the video game. So there's this Hitmontop in Neo that has a detect attack, first attack, flip a coin if heads during your opponent's next turn, prevent all effects of attacks, including damage, done to Hitmontop, pretty insane. The next attack, Triple Kick. Now, this it gets interesting, right? It can do up to 90 damage. All you have to do... Is flip three heads easy? Yeah, this flip three coins. It's Texas thirty damage times number of heads. So triple kick, insane attack for sure.
0: <laughs>
1: Hitmontop. I mean, you know, it's a crappy card. Like let's let's not get ourselves sixty HP fighting Pokemon. Kind of interesting art though. I was always just like really enamored with the art, even though it's like this very like simplistic art. Hitmontop's kind of upside down, kicking you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, doing the a Hitmontop thing.
1: Yeah, as it as it does. But that's my card of the day. I have very fond memories of this Hitmontop. And for some reason, maybe I got one in a pack and then the um and then the theme deck came with one. But I had two of them. And I was like, oh nice. Yeah, that's deck building material. <laughs> Even as a young kid I knew you want more of your good cards than less.
0: You're a mad genius, bro. I know. that's so sick well you know what jw is hit on top will spin around on his head and use his three legs to attack but if you the listener want to make sure that your third leg is nice and clean and intact do we have the sponsor for you that's right the tag team podcast is sponsored and presented by manscaped J.W., why don't you tell us a little bit about our friends over at Manscaped?
1: Absolutely. O'Reilly, it's time to nut up or shut up. (laughs) And take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped Ultra Smooth Package. Make sure that you have the proper care for down there. And their Boxers 2.0 give you the perfect stage to show off your new luck. Now, I'm wearing the Boxers 2.0 right now. can confidently say they'll keep you cool. They'll keep you looking hot. Fresh for the summer. So, with that said, we are running a discount special through Manscaped. 20% off plus free shipping with the code TAGTEAM at checkout. 20% off plus free shipping with code TAGTEAM. If you've been thinking about it, maybe haven't checked out what they can offer you, head on over to manscaped.com and give it a look. I think you might like what you see.
0: Seriously, we've used and enjoy... All of the products that we've received so far, uh, so things like the Boxers 2.0, the Weed Whacker, the Lawn Mower, all of it's great. It's super, super nice. I have yet to receive any sort of cut while using the products myself, um, and that's exactly what you want to hear when you're working in such sensitive areas of your body. <laughs>
1: And I also one of the things that I do also appreciate as a guy, I don't ever buy like luxury items for myself. But when I get these boxes in the mail and it just the presentation is so nice and it's got like a nice little gold, like it just makes me feel like, okay, I'm cool now. Like, even though I'm (laughs) kind of, you know, a dungeon lord with my, you know, neck beard and and such, you know, Pokemon card player, et cetera, et cetera, all the tropes. (laughs) I still feel kind of nice because like, man, wow, they really, you know, package this up all nice, like a little present for me.
0: It is seriously nice packaging. He's not he's not capped, ladies and gentlemen.
1: Yeah, no cap whatsoever. <laughs> so get some for yourself, manscaped.com, code tag team at checkout, twenty percent off plus free shipping. That's manscaped.com at checkout, code tag team for twenty percent off plus free shipping.
0: Awesome. So let's talk then about our first deck profile heading into the world championship. And we're going to start with the deck that JW and I have played the most of this format in a post-NAIC world, and that is Arceus Inteleon. So today we're hoping to go over some of the general options the deck has, why you might bring it, why you might not bring it, and how a tag team recommends you play it at Worlds here. So let's start from the top. What is Arceus Inteleon? What is it looking to achieve over the course of the game? Hopefully, of all the decks that we cover, this is the one that you're most familiar with if you're prepping for the World Championships. Because fundamentally, Arcus Inteleon has not changed significantly from its very first iteration way back when Brilliant Stars came out. Your goal is to stick a gigantic V-Star in the active with potentially a big charm on it and say that your opponent cannot deal with this. And if they can't, then you'll loop those sharing scares until they run out of resources and you eventually overwhelm them by just attacking into them repeatedly while healing. Pretty straightforward strategy, but it's one that's very, very strong. You know, straightforward does not equal bad in the Pokemon trading card game. Often it's quite the opposite.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's a very straight, you know, straight and narrow. Like, you're doing one thing, but you're doing it extremely well. The healing aspect of the deck is not something that many archetypes right now have, and that's a really big selling point.
0: Yeah, and I, I know for sure anytime I'm playing basically any deck, unless I have some sort of way to hit for weakness, and they're not playing a Dunsparce, it's always really frustrating to play against Arceus and Talion because you just have to put so much work in to win, you know? Yeah. And that's just, it's annoying. You know, that's kind of your goal as the Arceus and Talion player is to be that annoying presence that your opponent has to figure out the way to overcome.
1: And there's not a ton of counters to it. Yeah. Right? Like, there's, it's very hard for decks right now to get up to that 280, 310 number that they need. And the Arceus deck is so low maintenance that they can definitely just afford to use their supporter in that mid-game and late-game to Charon's Care and heal up.
0: Yeah, I mean, really the only deck that can hit those kind of numbers is Palkia. The Palkia is somewhat dependent on your opponent filling their bench to get all the way up to the 280 and 310. And ideally the arcus player isn't doing that for you you're <laughs> 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 right ideally like, yeah. you know they don't really need that many Intelians down to do what they're trying to do for the same reason that they can play those supporters in the mid game they just aren't doing that much in the mid right. in the mid and late game they're healing and swinging and that's all they're doing every turn
1: right absolutely
0: so We're all familiar with Arceus and right? It's a powerful staple of the last two formats here. JW, why might you consider bringing Arceus and specifically to the World Championship?
1: I think the matchup spread against the field is probably um, among the best. I mean, I I would go go so far to say it is the best deck against the field. And so that would be one reason to play it because you have some opportunity to outplay opponents, um, or at least outlast them like we were talking <laughs> about. Uh the games can go on for long enough that um you might have a route to um, you know, get to that late game, maybe get a nice Roxanne, or certainly you're marnying them um, you know, as often as you can, and then Sharon's caring. So you just have these tools to go into a blind field and more likely than not more often than not uh, perform well
0: i think that's pretty valid so what's the flip side of that then you know you said the arceus intelion is probably the best deck versus the field why are we even bothering with anything else why don't we just leave it up
1: well that's great great question um so there are some noticeable weaknesses to the arceus intelion archetype and i'd say chief among them is the average damage output it's not bad it's not great You know, you're hitting for, if you're playing just classic Arceus Inteleon, you know, maybe not a hyper-aggressive build, because certainly you could play a Zigzagoon, you could play a couple of Choice Belt, um, and you can even play the Radiant Charizard, but what I'm talking about, uh, for the most part, is this just straightforward vanilla Arceus Inteleon deck that we've seen in past formats. Your damage output is not that high, you might struggle against these stall archetypes, um, or You know, anything that has a little bit more mobility or things that can one-shot you, right? Because we've talked about a lot of the healing that the Arceus deck has. So uh, those are the kind of the two weaknesses. It's like, you're not one-shotting anything, and if your opponent's deck can one-shot you, that's just a recipe for disaster in certain matchups. That said, there's not a ton of those decks out there.
0: Yeah, I agree, especially in this format there's not a lot that can one-shot the V-star. There are plenty of decks that can one-shot the V, which is notable because every time you sharens, if you want to keep looping, you need to put a V down, right? But not a lot that can one-shot the V-star. However, another thing I'll note is, you know, if there's the stall decks or the Stonejourner decks or, or what have you that can take advantage of Arceus's capped damage, really looking at the 230 outside of the charizard being your your ceiling with the choice belt things can get tricky because i would say the world championship is when you'll most disproportionately see those kind of off the wall decks it maybe i'm wrong there but in my experience that's when you will most disproportionately see those kinds of decks because people are trying to break the meta and be creative because the world championship (laughs) yeah and if anyone, if there's any deck that has a target on his back, I would say it's even more than Palkia right now. I think it's Arceus Teleon.
1: Yeah, and there's a really, uh, there's another great reason to play the Arceus deck is that you're gonna do what you need to do every game. You're gonna get that Star birth off on turn two. You're gonna go fetch the pieces that you need to grab, and you're gonna be swinging. And that's you know, there's a lot to be said for just playing something that can do what it needs to do every single game <laughs> almost without fail. I mean, certainly we've all had those weird Arceus hands, but you're just more likely than not going to be able to do what you need to do. And so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of merit in that for sure.
0: I think the other potential demerit is that because Arceus plays some of these non live cards, you know, you think of the Sharon's care, you think of like the Roxanne, even what was that.
1: Did you hear that? Yeah that's thunder
0: oh wow yeah i
1: I looked out my window and i saw the strike
0: (laughs) the powers that be are telling us to not slam arceus yeah maybe
1: it's a sign it's arceus himself
0: (laughs) smiting us for going against his will man (laughs) that's crazy uh train of thought derailed Um, you're saying
1: another negative oh yeah
0: another potential negative of the arceus deck is against decks that play a lot of marnies or roxanne you have a lot of not immediately high value cards you know you're playing things like the pal pads you're playing things like the sharon's care that don't necessarily do a lot actively if you end up like stuck and sometimes it's in such a weird position that you can't even, like, drizzle out for anything because the Arceus decks play such a low count of draw supporters. So, you know, if you use your one Marnie and your second Marnie's prize or something and you get yeah. Marnied, things get weird fast.
1: <gasps> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, that is certainly um, somewhat of a negative, right? Where it's like you're so reliant on the Intellion engine uh, for your draw. And you're pretty low to the ground, to be honest, but you're so reliant there, it's like... If anything disrupts that, or even, you know, I think about things like Jolteon, you know, as being a card that could really upend some of the top decks that we've been talking about, the Palkia and the Arceus, where you don't really have a lot of great answers to a card like that. No, it's kind of hard to set up for your opponent. It's a lot of pieces, but I would look at something like that, where, yeah, like you said, it's, it's hard for the Arceus deck to survive without its abilities, so if you're not able to get enough Sobble down, or one gets gusted up, or, um, you know, you're just so reliant because you don't play that many draw supporters, like you were saying. And you can't fit enough draw supporters. <laughs> <in that laughs> right,
0: race. you try to fit all this other stuff. Right. So, how can you play... You got Star of Earth, who needs a draw
1: support? <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so then, what is the tag team spice looking like for Arceus and Talion? Are we looking to just play it straightforward, or how else might we mix up the deck if we're going into the World Championship?
1: It's a great question. I mean, what I've been telling people and what I've been really trying um, is to run the Arceus Inteleon deck with Charizard. I've been like really trying that because like we were just saying, one of the weaknesses of Arceus is that it doesn't have a way to one-shot things. Just period, end of story, you know? And when you're playing these V-Star decks, like Palkia, like the Mirror, um, like any other V-Star deck, you want that damage at the end of the game. And so that's where Radiant Charizard steps in and says, hey, I'm going to be swinging for 250. I'm, I, can, I can even do it twice, potentially. That's kind of what, what I think about Arceus um, as being like this deck that can potentially put out the most damage, right? Because if you can attack, you know, two, three, four times with an Arceus V-Star and then you can attack once or twice with a Charizard, I mean, that's just like so much damage that your opponent has to manage, Right. So it's has that potential to be one of the hardest hitting, you know, per attack decks in the format. Um, so, yeah, that, that's kind of my spice right now. That's what I'm trying. Mixed results with the Charizard. I feel like, um, you know, I played this tournament the other day and there were definitely like three, four of the games that I played. Charizard was a factor in some way, shape, or form. And like two of those, it just like literally won me the game. If I didn't have it, I would not have won. (laughs) And so I need to get more quality testing in with the Charizard, but initial thoughts are coming back more on the positive side, although not overwhelmingly positive. Because it, it you are sacrificing a lot for that Charizard. I think about the stadium cards. You know, the Arceus deck would love to play path of the peak to try to slow the opponent down a bit but the way i was playing the arcus italian with charizard is trying to play a couple of magma basin so that i could just basically go for the charizard almost at any point and potentially even before the opponent got down to two prizes yeah right so you could maybe you know attach a double turbo to the charizard and then use a magma basin and you could get it going on their three prize turn or whatever you know and and maybe that's not necessarily how you want to play it maybe you do want to play it with um without the charizard and with path of the peak but i was sacker or with charizard and path of the peak but i was kind of saying okay i'm going to lean into this charizard strategy see how good it is and go away from the more traditional peak based arceus decks
0: yeah charizard is definitely something i was heavily considering prior to even our initial testing you know i for example, I was trying it out on Andrew's stream the other week. Um, and I immediately texted you, I really like this idea. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. let's dive further into it. So we've all, we've always been on the same page. The Charizard seems like it has a lot of potential. You you just have to weigh, is the disruptive power of the path worth the proactive damage of the Charizard is kind of where you lie. And I still am on the favorable end of that personally. I really like the idea of going Arceus, Arceus, Charizard, Charizard as the six prizes your opponents are forced to take.
1: Because
0: mm-hmm. you're, you're taking that early game, you're taking the Arceus, you can chance care of them. But then at the end of the game, it's kind of like you'd go with Moltres, right? But just a little bit simpler, although mm-hmm. you need to not play Path, whereas Moltres you could.
1: Right, absolutely.
0: So you're trading off the, maybe the ease of maintenance of the Moltres for uh, not being able to have the disruptive elements of Path.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And I mean, would it surprise you if players played the Moltres instead of the Charizard? Um, not
0: would necessarily. that be surprising? I mean, the Moltres has certainly proven itself as a phenomenally powerful card. It's a card that we've talked about a lot on the cast as being incredibly overwhelming as a one prizer. I don't think that's really changed for Moltres. It's just harder to use mm-hmm. in, in the moment than the Charizard is. You know, because you need that 3 energy to get it going, whereas the Charizard can function off of 1, which is a substantial difference there. Right. The other maybe factor is if you expect to see any Mew, then the Moltres is just so good against that, whereas the Charizard doesn't really make any difference in that matchup for the most part.
1: There's a couple other cards that I'd like to talk about in terms of bumping up the damage that Arceus decks can do. Yeah, the first one is Slacking V, that uh, does 260 damage on its heavy impact attack, takes 4 prizes. Now this would be, if you were to include Slacking, you would definitely be including Path, because it has an ability that says you can't attack if you have 2, 4, or 6 prize cards remaining. Which, you know, kind of absurd, but you're trading that off for an attack that could potentially do upwards of 290 damage. so. Um, you know, something there to to at least think about. I, I think the investment for slacking is maybe a little more than I'm willing to <laughs> pay, but it certainly is a card that can be looked at. The other one would be Starm EV. And Starm EV, with its second attack, does 50 damage times the amount of energy in play on your opponent's side of the field. So it's very much a reactive card. It very much deals with, you know, what might be or what could be as opposed to what is. But it certainly is a card that slots very nicely into an Arceus and list because you're already playing the waters and it could be something that, um, you know, you could potentially think about uh, as a card for the mirror or as a card for Palkia decks if they get a little bit too loose with their energy. Um, Are there any cards that you're thinking outside of the Charizard for a straight Arceus and build that would maybe, you know, make the archetype a little bit better? not necessarily i
0: i've definitely wanted a little bit more draw in those decks for the same reasons i was mentioning earlier as part of the arceus decks problems that's not anything like groundbreaking or crazy i think the interesting question the arceus decks will have to answer is ultimately stadium related almost like do you play a path count to make your opponent's life harder or do you play training courts to make your life easier Or do you play Magma Basin to enable Charizard a little bit more heavy? Um, Do you play Collapse Stadium or or Shopping Center to either make your opponent have to hit another piece to use Regigigas or to use Palkia effectively? Um, That's kind of where my head's at, is the deck seems to work as is. I don't think you need to muck with that too much. You just want to find the last like last final piece of the puzzle. I hear you. Also, I'm really curious if Dunsparce ends up in Worlds lists or not.
1: (laughs) The X-Factor of Arceus. Now, that is going to, if I do decide to play Arceus for Worlds, again, not off the table for me at this point, um, that's going to keep me up the night before the tournament. Do I include Dunsparce? Do I include Manaphy? I think at this point, both of those are under consideration, right? In the... um, Matchups that you might want Manaphy, I think, most predominantly would be the Palkia matchup. And almost exclusively would be the Palkia (laughs) matchup. You don't really want to go that wide with your bench. So playing down a Manaphy would be just detrimental because you're going to want to go in with two Arceus. Um, You have that Manaphy down like like we thought. And then the Sobble, you know, or maybe two Sobble, right? Preferably just the one. But... The point being, you don't want to scale your bench out that much, if at all. So, you know, maybe Manafee is not even worth it. Because if your opponent's going to come up and, you know, swing at an Arceus and a Sobble and waste their V-Star power, I mean, that seems like a fairly decent trade considering you could just Charon's Care (laughs) the uh, damaged Arceus and then play down another Sobble. So, you know, there's that. It's like, well, Urshifu is not really a thing in this meta, so... no Manaphy. But then, by that same token, Urshru's not really a thing, so why Dunsparce? Right? There's no real reason to keep it in. Stonejourner, you just lose that matchup anyway. So, you know, man, what a crazy thing to see if, like, just fighting decks take over. I mean, there's certainly Hisuian Decidueye, right? You could play that in your Argus deck. Um, there's cleaver v star play that (laughs) i think we're chilling
0: at the cleaver v star
1: you know lucario v star is like kind of cool i like lucario a lot so wouldn't it just be interesting if there were a lot of these fighting cards that were kind of in the shadows last format that take center stage now that people are cutting these texts
0: that's what i'm saying man those texts those final texts are going to be very interesting for arceus i think
1: it seems to me though that yeah people will cut both Certainly one, right? You probably won't want both, yeah, but
0: no way you're playing both.
1: I I don't I I honestly just don't see a reason given the format as it currently stands. Meta manipulation. Uh, as it currently <laughs> stands. Like there's there's no fighting card. Guy out who's there. about to roll
0: up to a tournament with a fighting deck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I feel like for sure. <laughs>
1: You freaking got me, bro.
0: <laughs> Anything else that jumps out
1: at you for Arceus Telia? It's it's going to be a major presence, yeah. Just be prepared for it. Um, I, I would expect to see, you know, if we're playing eight rounds in day one of Worlds, I would expect to see it at least once, if not more.
0: At least once, yeah.
1: At least.
0: I, I agree. Cool. Well, I think we've hit our, our main pillars for this week. If there are decks that you want us to be talking about or matchups that you want us to test, be sure to hit us up on social media we have the biggest presence on twitter where you can find the podcast at tag team pokemon myself at smiles with riles and jw at real john walter feel free to shoot us over a tweet or a dm with the kinds of decks that you think have potential for the world championship so we can talk about them on a future episode we also would really appreciate it if you leave a rate and review on the podcast. You can just do that by going to your podcasting platform and giving a rating that you think is appropriate and maybe leave it some reasons why. It gives us feedback about what we should be doing to make ourselves better going forward um, or lets us know that we're doing things right and should continue doing it. We also have started... I was going to hit on it. I, I think I think you're, you're saying. I'm giving weird. you the thumbs up. <laughs> we also have started the process of getting our merch ordered and ready to go. So expect more information in the coming days about how you can put in an official order to get the tag team merch. If you haven't seen it already, check it out on Twitter, just on the tag team profile. We have put up that pre-order interest form. Reminder that it's not an order form, so you're not reserved a piece of the merchandise by filling out that form. So be sure to come back and and check out the details for ordering a piece.
1: Yeah. And we're making 100 and we're making them in specific sizes. So as soon as that size goes, that's going to be it for, you know, for the first run. You know, if there is a second run in the future. You know, There, there there's potential for that, certainly, but it's not a, not a guarantee by any means. So making 100, making very specific sizing, and once they're gone, they're gone. So if you wanna get in on merch, look out for the next few days here, probably, honestly, the weekend at some point um, for me to make an official order form. Um, but you should be seeing here, at least in the next week, some way to order Your shirt. We're really looking forward to it. These are really cool pieces. Um, I can't wait to wear mine to Worlds. It's going to be sick for sure. So be on the lookout for that.
0: And with that, I think we've hit on everything. I think we have. So thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate all of you and the support that you show, the cast. And we're looking forward to gearing up even further for the Pokemon World Championship next month. With that, we'll catch you next time. Peace.
1: See ya.